This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today, I want to talk about the art of asking questions. And I think one of the reasons why I'm so motivated to share this is I'm seeing more and more positive results with this very simple, very basic, not innovative method to selling. And what's interesting is that there's a lot of talk about disruptive selling strategies. Uh, I look at something like uh, the Challenger Sale, which, by the way, I totally 100% believe in their methodologies. But I think in many cases, they're misunderstood by a lot of sales practitioners. A lot of them looked at this approach to selling. And by the way, kind of the Coles Notes version is versus trying to build relationships or identify a problem and then create a solution, um, the whole idea is actually disruptive in your interaction with your client. The way that you disrupt their thinking and you show them a different, more insightful and powerful way to look at their business, which I agree with. But the challenge is I see a bunch of people going in and trying to disrupt a client's thinking and offer them advice and, and help them look, so to speak, pardon the uh, cliche, but out of the box at their business yet they don't have the credibility. And we all know that. That's like a friend or someone you know who means well, but they walk up to you and they start giving you advice on your life. (laughs) And you're like, hey, I didn't, number one, give you permission to give me advice. And number two, who are you to give me advice? Like, I I don't know you or I don't feel you're credible or, you know, give me an example in your life where you even have the right to give me advice on where I should be going. And I think this is the key is that without first establishing credibility and rapport, We can't actually offer that disruptive insight and develop a relationship at level with a client that we can move them into a positive direction. And so I look at needs analysis selling or asking questions, and I believe that we can downplay them a little bit or we can talk about new methodologies or we can wrap them in a new label, but the art of asking questions is still one of the most powerful ways to sell without selling. A friend of mine, Mintel Roy, I actually kind of teased him a bit one day, and it was kind of a maybe not a nice criticism, and I teased him. I said, Minto, and Minto's the second best salesperson I've ever met next to my father. And I said to Minto, I said, man, you know, the challenge is you close too hard sometimes. Like, you got to kind of relax a bit. And when they fin- when you finish with people, I mean, you got the check, but they feel closed. And he goes, wow. He goes, you're one to criticize. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're a sneaky closer. And I said, what do you mean a, a sneaky closer? He said, well, when people leave your office, you've got a check from them, but they thought it was their idea. He goes, that's sneaky. And what he's talking about is this process for needs analysis. That if we establish enough rapport, and what I think powerful questions do is you as the sales professional, the business owner, the business development specialist, you know the story. You know the plot and you know the ending. You know what happens. But instead of telling the customer the story, you want to immerse them in the story so they own it. And how you do that is you ask questions that gets the customer to narrate the story to let them narrate their own story as to why they're buying your product or service. And that's what it's really about. So the way this works, and I don't, I'm not going to go into great detail. This is like a, a three-hour seminar uh, kind of process that I go through with clients as a minimum to help them develop their needs analysis. But I want to kind of give you some of the key principles of effective needs analysis. And so when I started doing this, I went from a closing ratio of 5%, which is horrible. And funny funny enough is that from stage, my closing ratio was about 20% selling programs and solutions and tapes and books and that stuff. But one-on-one, my actual closing ratio, remember I was actually sales training at that time, I just started the industry, was only about 1 in 20. 
And what it was is I talked too much. And so what I did is I developed this process for asking questions uh, inspired by a needs analysis selling program that my father had taught me, as well as a program that I had listened to by a guy named Jim Floor. And I kind of married this together uh, along with some great coaching questions that uh, were put together by an author by the name of J.K. Smart. And so I kind of melded this all together and I developed my own process for asking questions. And so what happens is when I interview a customer... And this is what I work with my clients to do, whether they're a mortgage broker, whether they're selling capital equipment uh, to large manufacturers, uh, they're a a real estate agent, they're an auto salesperson. It's all the same because it's not about what you're selling. It's about the fact of how human psychology works in the sales process. So when you start off a conversation, number one, great conversations have contrast. So it's not all open-ended questions like, where's your business heading in the next 18 months? Or what was it about us that made you want to work with us? Or have you ever, who are you presently working with now? And and what is that like? Or, you know, tell me about this. These are kind of open-ended questions, which are nice. But if we just have open-ended questions, you won't get anywhere, number one. Uh, You'll kind of talk in circles. Number two, if you've got a bottom-line-oriented client, one that loves results, they're going to hate a conversation like that. So open-ended questions are great because they build rapport and get you extra information um, that maybe you're not even know you're looking for, and it really helps you, you know, develop uh, that feeling from the customer that you really are interested in them. But open-ended questions alone aren't enough. So you've got open-ended questions, and this is the key. Then you've got closed questions, simple questions like how many people on your sales team. Um, how many, you know, if you're selling an, a, a software uh, as a service solution, how many remote workers do you have that you think will access this? Um, what's your predicted start date? Um, hey, uh, how long have you been working here? Or wh- These are all kind of questions that are very closed questions. Yes, no questions, numerical questions, solid questions. The benefit of these types of questions is I can take someone and I can actually anchor the conversation. So if you have someone talking in, in circles, and you're not sure where they're going or they're getting off track or the meeting's taking too long or you're not getting to where you want to go, closed questions are really great. So um, based on what you told me, um, other than this, you're ready to move forward. That's a kind of a very closed closing question. Or um, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're going to need Bob and Sarah here as well. Okay, that's kind of a closed question, but I'm giving you an example of something that a closed question can help you get the truth of. It also gets you just key information and helps the conversation kind of pull back to center. Um, but a closed question won't be generative like an open question will. But the key here is that it's great to contrast or buffer against an open-ended question. So I can op- ask a couple open-ended questions, and then I'll ask a closed question, and then I might ask a leading question. So leading questions... Are, are questions that a person asks to create the absence of their solution in the mind of the customer. It also gets them to think about things a bit differently. Um, so kind of a cheeky leading question I'll ask, and this is almost, you got to be careful with your credibility and where you're at, but um, you might, I might ask a question like, so what's more important to you that this program meets all of your uh, adult education learning requirements from an HR perspective? or that it drives sales results. I just want to make sure we're kind of, because people design programs for different reasons. And all of a sudden I'll get, well, no, I want sales results. That's why you're in here. Okay, just checking. And and what I'm trying to do is get them to think about the fact that, okay, I might not have 
university's seal on my learning materials I'm going to train their organization with, and maybe a bunch of designations, but I've got proven sales results for their organization that I can show references, I've got processes, I get results, I've got studies. And the whole point is, is this is a leading question, and it gets them to think differently and also kind of move in the direction you want them to go. Now, too many leading questions, or if you're letting, if your leading questions are more rhetorical or trite, the customer can feel sold or pitched or over-manipulated, and it won't do what you want. So you want to save those, but you want to use them. And the last one are just simply requests. Tell me, show me. These are the types of questions. So tell me about your sales team now. Would you mind uh, walking me through your existing process? Or um, how long has this um, implementation been in place? Or can you specifically pull this out for me? And so these are very direct request questions and kind of almost designed to get them to take some type of action, display something, or give you exact feedback. And so from this perspective, all these questions, none of these types of questions on their own are very effective. But talking about contrast, a conversation like that great conversation you have with a best friend that's supposed to be 20 minutes and goes 45, and you go, what happened to the time? A lot of that, what that has to do with is that there's great contrast in that conversation. You might ask an open-ended question. You tell a little bit of a joke. You ask a closed question. You make a request. You ask a leading question. You ask a couple more open-ended questions. And this goes back and forth, and the conversation flows naturally. So when I design my needs analysis with customers, I actually design it to flow like a normal conversation. So a couple of open-ended questions at the top. A simple yes and no question, but not, or a numerical question, like how many people on your sales team might ask them, um, or, uh, you know, what's your budget year in? Might be a really simple question, but these are just basic questions, and then I move into the questions that begin to tell a story. So when questions that begin to tell a story are like, so just out of curiosity, what happened that made you guys want to reach out to a third-party vendor like ourselves, or what happened where you finally decided that you need to replace your legacy system? Or And so these are, very, these are questions that actually you wouldn't want to ask it at the beginning, but once you've got some rapport, you can ask those questions. And then near the end is where you ask these confidential financial questions. And so when you ask their budget and someone says, oh, well, I can never get the budget from a customer. They'll just never tell me the truth. Well, you probably asked that question too soon. You didn't have enough rapport and didn't feel like you were really listening. They still feel like you're probably taking an order or trying to pitch them. And so often, if I can get down into price at the bottom of the funnel, and I'll even ask questions a bit differently than, hey, what's your budget? What I'll say is, how do you budget for these types of things? Do you budget uh, per person um, as a percentage of the overall project? Uh, or is there some, or, or is it kind of just earmarked based upon maybe the ROI you could see you could get off this type of investment? And so, and then m- amazingly enough is when I ask a general question like that, a lot of times they'll just pipe up and give me their budget. Say, well, our budget is $1,100 a year uh, for training per senior executive. Um, and that might be the number they give me. Or it's a percentage of annual revenues. Or, and they'll actually, and I'm able to kind of work backwards and figure this out. But the key thing is if I ask that budget question too soon, they're not going to answer it. And so the other thing, and this is kind of, I know I've sort of talked a fair bit here on this process of needs analysis, but when I shifted this process of needs analysis where I stopped talking and I started asking great questions, all of a sudden my closing ratio shifted significantly. Now, let's hear another piece. Never, ever sell during a needs analysis. Now, this is a hard part because, um, you know, you say, well, I'm there to sell. And so how do I ask 
offer disruptive insights and how do I sell and how do I move the client to a close if I'm not allowed to sell during a needs analysis? And my answer is wrap up your needs analysis with these three powerful questions. So the first question I ask when I've got all the information I want or could get from the needs analysis with the client, uh, ask them first question is, have I missed anything? So this is kind of a little bit of a vulnerability and openness and, and kind of relinquishing control a little bit, saying, hey, I don't, I don't know everything here. I want to know, have I missed anything here? Is there anything I need to know that I haven't asked a question about? And then after they answer that, I'll, the next question I'll ask is, do you have any questions for me? And this is important because sometimes the questions they ask of you are clarifying questions. Sometimes they're the questions that set you up for the sale and actually give you permission to do what you're going to ask for in the next question. The next question, the third, the very last question I ask is, based upon what you've told me so far, would you mind if I shared with you how I think that we can work together? That's the question. Now, or how I think we can help you, or how I think this project can roll out. So these are, you know, depending on what you're selling, this is the thing. So I'm asking permission to sell. So I'm not the guy halfway through needs analysis when you finally say, hey, well, the reason why I reached out to you is I'm not happy with my present vendor. And then I barf all these features and advantages and benefits all over you in the middle of needs analysis saying, well, that's great because we can do this and this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden, because I'm in the needs assessment and I've pitched you, what occurs is you realize, ah, this guy's not asking me questions to help me. He's asking me questions to close me. Therefore, I'm not going to give him any more information. And the needs analysis cut short or you get less information. So resist that temptation to pitch during the needs analysis. But after the three powerful questions, and the last one being based upon what you've told me, would you mind if I share with you how we can work together, how we can help you, how I think this project's going to roll out? And often they'll go, yeah, of course, I'd love to hear it. Because thinking, geez, guy, uh, you've been talking to me or I've been talking to you for 25, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And yeah, I'd love to hear how you can help me. And that's when you're then able to step in and be that challenger, offer disruptive insights with credibility. And also because they've given you the information, they've told you where it hurts, where they're looking to go, what their past experiences are, what their values are, um, you know, what their opinions are. And you can either offer great uh, insights that reinforce that and show them how you can work together, or you might even disrupt the way they're thinking, offer them even more interesting insights and ways you can help their business they never thought of. But the key factor is you have rapport because you spend some time asking questions and generating dialogue. You've got the information to contextualize your advice and you've got the credibility. And so by doing, by asking questions this way, by truly harnessing the art of asking questions and leading customers, getting them to narrate that story, you know the answer, but your questions get them to narrate the story so they own it. By doing that, you'll find that your closing ratio will drastically increase. And for me, what was amazing is it was almost like the unclose. It wasn't a close at all. Once I'd established credibility and rapport and asked great questions and offered good insights, the customers started closing themselves. They started asking me things like, well, how often can we work together? And when can you start? And uh, just give me an idea, Shane, of, of how that price breakdown works. You know, if we do more days, can we, you know, what's, how do you price yourself? Is it per day? Is it per project? Is it for the results? And they're asking me these fantastic questions that enable me to lead them. Now, here's the key, is there's two types of proposals. One I will call a confirmation proposal, and one I will call a selling proposal. And this is the big mistake that most people make in selling after a needs analysis, 
is they'll actually do the needs analysis. They'll get that final question and they'll go, great, I think I've got everything I need from you to put together a proposal and a quote. And the customer goes, fantastic, looking forward to it because they're looking forward to it. But if you miss those last three questions and you don't talk the customer through the solution, you don't get to test to see where they're at from a price perspective because sometimes if the first time they see the price is in a quote versus in person, you don't have an opportunity to handle that objection. You also get to map out the solution with them so that there's a full agreeance so you can send them a summary instead of sending them a proposal that sells. So in other words, first option is you just take all the information, you go back and write them a proposal, you send it to them. They're not there with you when they first get the information. And all of a sudden, whatever objections are there, you don't have an opportunity to handle. The section, section, second option is that where I'm actually going to ask that, those key questions. Hey, have I missed anything? Do you have any questions for me? And would you mind if I share with you how I think we can work together? And that's where I roll through. Here's how our solution can help you. Uh, you said you needed this and we can do this. You might not know this, but here's what's happening in the industry. And here's why I think you also need this as well. How do you feel about that? Fantastic. And look, this type of program, based upon what you've told me, will range from this value to this value as far as an investment. How do you feel about that number? Does that make sense to you? And then I'm going to get some feedback from them. And if I have to, I'll build value, establish rapport. And at the end of the point, end of the conversation, the key factor here is that I've already kind of verbally and roughly had an agreement. And I'll say, look, so there won't be any surprises in my proposal. We've kind of gone over what this will look like together. But I'm going to put it in writing now, uh, along with that quote and that dollar value we talked about. Um, and then the next step is, and this is the key step, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself maybe for another pro- podcast, is that at the end of the needs analysis, I always set the appointment to review the proposal I'm going to send to them before I leave. So I'm not sending proposals that sit in inboxes that no one replies with, to me on. If you're doing it by uh, Zoom or by some type of other webinar type format or go to meeting format where you're selling distance selling, same thing. At the end of that presentation, after I confirm what they want and they want a proposal, I set the next appointment. And what that does is that makes sure it cuts down that dead time or where we're going back and forth because too many deals die in the vine after we spent all that time doing needs analysis. And then we don't close the next step, which is them reading the proposal and them actually sitting down with you again. So I've covered a lot today, a bit of a rant. I know I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to do a few more here in the next week or so and get them up. Um, But from a from, perspective, from this perspective, what I'm really talking about is that questions are powerful ways to lead the customer, to expand the relationship, to contextualize your offering, and build trust. And without them, in my opinion, you're just a pitch artist, and you're one of many, but if you can ask great questions and help customers think differently about their business, then you're indispensable to them and the organization you work for. So this is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. If you and your sales team and sales organization are looking for a keynote speaker at your next conference, in-depth training, or just someone to help retool your sales process so you can close more and larger deals, you can always email me, shane at shanegibson.com, or hit ClosingBigger.net for more info.